Wow. It is uh, great to see you guys today. Let's pray. God, thank you. Uh, in this season of Thanksgiving, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the answer that helps you cross over. That's AI. It's way high. You know what I mean? The secret that changes the outcome the play that runs up the score, the unseen power. God, we're here because we need more. You throw mustard seeds at mountains and watch them roll into the sea. Please give us that seed of faith that moves the mountains of worry inside of me. By faith, make us stronger. By faith, be the glue that demolishes worry and brings us closer to you. God, we want to be closer to you. We have one wish, is that we would know you, we would know your voice, and that, that we would run effortlessly toward where you are calling us, knowing that you have something good for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, good evening, everybody. Good evening. I said good evening. Everywhere I go, I figured out the code to make everybody in the room feel much better than they feel already. If you say these words to the person next to you, it works 100% of the time. If you would turn to the person next to you and sincerely say to them these words, you look good tonight, baby. <laughs> that works. So let's talk about faith, supersized faith, giant-sized faith. I want to read some scripture to start out to kind of set the tone for this quick journey of faith. So let's go first to Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11. If you have your Bible, you can jump over there with me, or if you have your app, however you do it. I'm going to start with Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then, let's go down to verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Don't you love that? All right, let's jump back to the Old Testament right quick, to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. Genesis, the 12th chapter. Genesis, the 12th chapter. Just some context, and then I'll get in and get out. 
Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went. So Abraham went. Let's talk about giant-sized faith. Um, Hebrews 11 has this hall of fame of faith. These are all the, the giants of the faith. And you get people like Noah and Abraham and Sarah and all these great people of the faith. Tonight, though, we want to talk about Abraham. This is the Hall of Fame of Faith. You got Abel and Enoch and Noah, and it used to be up there, and Sarah and Isaac and Joseph, and next slide. So uh, we want to talk tonight, though, about Abraham. And I've got some true confessions. I have always wanted a superpower my entire life. I've always wanted a superpower. The reason I've always wanted a superpower is because I have in my lifetime felt powerless. I got bullied when I was growing up. I don't know if any of you in the room have been subject to bullying or somebody taunting you, but let's say this, it's not nice. Don't like, thumbs down, right? And I remember as a kid just feeling like if I had a superpower, I could get past the bullies. The one thing I love about superheroes is that they're bigger than the bad days. On the bad days, the superpower comes out and they get better. And I've always wanted to have a superpower. So I always loved superheroes because they were superhuman. They had a human part and they had a super part and their super part made up for their human part. And I love superheroes. The first superhero I loved this guy, Superman. Love me some Superman. And when I was growing up, we didn't have this particular Superman. This is a modern Superman. The Superman that I grew up watching on television had a dad bod. <laughs> remember him? He was smooth. He had a little baby beer gut. I remember that Superman. But I love Superman. He had so many great superpowers. Number one, he could fly. I always thought it would be great to fly. Number two, he could bend steel in his bare hands. I thought this works good on bullies. He had x-ray vision. Oh, how I longed for x-ray vision. Haven't you ever been in a negotiation sitting across the table from somebody wishing you could read what was in their heart? That would be so cool. All the married folks in the room said, that would be so cool. <laughs> Superman. My first experience with uh, Superman was as a kid. I thought I could fly from watching Superman. Here's what I did. I went to the uh, closet and I pulled out a towel. I tied it around my neck and I started running around the house with this towel around my neck saying that I was Superman. We had a beautiful staircase in this house in Detroit, Michigan. And I remember I decided that I would test my wings. So I got up on the first step and I jumped down and I flew 
briefly. <laughs> I went up to the second step and I flew briefly. I got up to the third step and I started to have a relationship with this thing they call gravity. <laughs> More man, less super. About this time, my father walks in the house. He had just come in, he had on a suit, put down his briefcase, he looked at me and didn't say a word. He just did like this. I went up another step. Took another step. Took another step. I'm on the seventh step, the step of completion, Pastor. <laughs> My father said, jump. Now, this relationship that I was having with gravity was starting to affect my reasoning. So I looked into my father's eyes. And when I looked into my father's eyes and I saw that he was looking at me and I recognized that he was looking for me, I started to have a different relationship with the gravity. He said, jump. He called me. So I decided to jump. He said, count to three and jump. So I said, one, two, two, <laughs> three. I closed my eyes and jumped. When I opened my eyes, I started to fall toward my father. And he caught me. And I remember what I loved about the way he caught me. He used shock absorbers. He caught me. He absorbed all the gravity. And then he threw me back up caught me and threw me back up. I went straight to the eighth step. <laughs> Superman. Number two was this one. Wonder Woman. Don't want to leave anybody out. I loved Wonder Woman. She could block bullets with bracelets. She could lasso the truth out of you. And all the married people in the room say, I would love that one. <laughs> All of you that are raising teenagers, where were you last night? <laughs> and she had an invisible plane she could fly. And then there was this guy right here. Ah, uh, the Black Panther. You know why I love the Black Panther? Because I have haters. Any of you have haters in the room? Any of you sitting next to haters in the room? <laughs> You know what I love about Black Panther? His uniform. When the bullets come at him, instead of them killing them, him, it gives him power. He was able to turn the pain into power. And I love that concept as a person that has been powerless. You mean if you come at me the wrong way, God gives me power to come back at you the right way. I've always wanted super. I don't have a problem with any of the superheroes that I just told you about, none whatsoever, because I know I can't be that. So I can imagine it and put it aside. But it's this guy, Abraham. This is the guy that frustrated me most for this reason. He had a superpower that's accessible to me. Faith. Now faith. I can't be Black Panther, I can't be Wonder Woman, I can't be Superman, but every one of us in this room tonight can have faith. 
In fact, the word says every one of us has been given a measure of faith, number one. Number two, it doesn't take faith. The word says if you had a mustard seed of faith, you could cast these mountains into the sea, right? It doesn't take a lot. And faith is essential. Hebrews 11 says without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you take verses and turn them inside out, uh, and let me just give you one quick technology with verses. It's called turning a verse. When you find a verse of scripture, if you really want to milk it for all it's worth, the first turning of the verse is just to read the verse and see how it makes you feel. See where it shows up in your body. You know how you feel when you get angry? Some people, when they get angry, they feel it in their chest. Some people, when they get anxious, they feel it in their neck. The Word of God kind of works that way. You read a verse, and it'll have a physical impact on you. Read a verse one time, you can feel it. The next time you read it, see what it says to you. Play with it in your intellect. Third turning of the verse, see what the verse asks you to do. Ask you to do. Then fourth, what does this mean to me? Turn the verse. Another thing you can do with a verse is turn it inside out. You can invert it and find a new meaning. So if the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God, flip it over. With faith, it is possible to please God. In other words, you can please God. Please God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can please God. So Abraham had the superpower of faith. Abraham was called to go to a place that he didn't know. And the beautiful thing about when God calls you, he puts a bargain on the table. And know this, skip the illusion. If ever there are two offers on the table, God is offering you something and somebody else is offering you something, there is no comparison because there's never a better offer than God's offer. Never a better offer. Choice is an illusion. I have this graphic that I use sometime, and it's two um, chocolate chip cookies, beautiful chocolate chip cookies. I don't know if any of you in the room love chocolate chip cookies. Anybody in the room love chocolate chip cookies? I like them hot, fresh, baked out of the oven. Love chocolate chip cookies. Hallelujah for chocolate chip. <laughs> Won't he do it? Won't he do it? <laughs> At his image, two chocolate chip co cookies, A or B. Say, which one would you like to choose? Doesn't matter, the same. What if I tell you that the chips in the first batch are chocolate, dark chocolate, milk chocolate chips, and the other are rat pellets? Cookie B. Now I put the cookies back up, <laughs> and now you have a choice between these chocolate chips and those chocolate chips. It ain't no choice, is it? Right. When God puts something up here, there's no choice. There's no better offer. So when Abraham was called to go to a place where God called him, God said this. He said, I am going to bless you. I'm going to give you three things, and then I'm going to get out of here. Point number one, when God calls, go, blessings await. When God calls, go, blessings await. You know what faith is? Faith is spiritually aerodynamic. 
there's less play on words when resistance. There's less when resistance. God calls you to do something. He says he's going to bless you, and you go when. When are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? It's kind of like going somewhere with your parents and you're in the car. When are we getting there? Are we there yet? When? When? But when you trust God, when you have faith, you stop asking him when, why, and how. You just go because you know that blessings await you. There's less resistance. You just go. God said this to Abraham. He said this. I will make of you a great nation. And look. And I will bless you. I will bless you. I bet you there are some people in this room tonight that have been called to go, to do something with your life. And you haven't gone because you're afraid of what you're going to find. You don't believe that blessings await you. When God calls you, he says, I will bless you. Let me tell you a quick story. I have a daughter. She'll be home this week. If you ever, if ever there's, if ever my daughter's lost and she's on the side of a milk carton, you know where to find her? On my pinky, right? Right? She's wrapped around mine and I'm wrapped around hers. I love my daughter. I would do anything in the world for my daughter. Beautiful Hallie. Hallie turned 25 this week. And I think, yeah, no, that's great. And in 10 more years, she will stop getting money from me on the cash app. 10 years, and we'll, we'll, we'll be done. Big story. Going out of town, going to have a weekend, and Hallie was supposed to be with some friends at a college retreat or something like that. And as we're about to pull out of the driveway, Hallie's car pulls up. And she's like, I can't go on this trip. And we're about to back out of the driveway and go on a trip. And she goes, I got to go with you guys. And I go, you don't even know where we're going. You don't know where we're going. She said, I, I just want to go wherever you're going, I want to go. I got to admit to you guys some, something, okay? And, and please don't take this the wrong way. I like nice hotels. That, when, you, when you travel on vacation, I like the nice hotels, right? I've, I've had experiences with bad hotels, and I've had experiences with great hotels, and I prefer great hotels. There's something about the, the washcloths and towels in bad hotels. They could just give you sandpaper. <laughs> it would be the same thing. There's something about thread count. Can I get an amen for thread count in here? <laughs> There's something about a concierge. I'm just saying, right? Pray for me. I'm going to get right. So I've been known vacations, just vacations, to stay in really nice hotels. Here's Hallie. She said, I just want to go where you guys go. Wherever you're going, I want to go with you guys. I said, you don't have any clothes. She's like, I don't care. I don't need clothes. You haven't packed. I don't need to pack. I just need to go with you. And I said, but you don't even know where we're going. She said, I don't have to know where we're going. I just have to know that I'm going with you because I know how you go. Her relationship with her father and how he blesses her 
lets her know that wherever he is, I'm going to be blessed. Right? Abraham knew God's voice. He's standing there on the seventh step, and God says, jump. And the reason he jumped, because he knew the Father's intention for him was to bless him. I will bless you. That's what he promises. So when God calls you, go. Blessings await. Let me make one note right here about going. Sometimes God is not calling us from where we are. He's calling us from who we are. He's not calling us from where we are. He's calling us from who we are. In other words, right now you have a certain state of mind. That's where you live. It's limiting you. It's holding you back. And God has called you to be a different and better kind of person. He's called you to leave who you were so you can be who he's called you to be because that person will be blessed. How many of you in the room have had to leave who you were to be something better. You had to change not only your physical state, but you had to change your state of mind. When God calls you, go. Blessings await. Number two. Number two. Don't just go to receive a blessing. Go to be a blessing. Don't just go to receive a blessing. Go to be a blessing. Check out this verse here. Where it says, I will make your name great. Stop. You don't have to have a billion Instagram followers in order to have a great name. You don't have to build your audience. He said, I will make your name great. And then look what it says. You shall be a blessing. Here's how you know God is calling you to something. If there's a vision in it to help somebody else. If he's calling you just to move to change your situation, not good enough. But if he's calling you to move, either physically or mentally, so that you can be an agent of change for somebody else's situation, that's a whole other thing. God has called us as a faith community to be a blessing. We've never seen a time in our country in recent history where there have been so much anxiety. There's been so much worry and anxiety and fear. The suicide rate in Farragut is high. We have more amenities. We have more luxuries. I'm telling you, when, you know, when I first moved back to Knoxville almost 30 years ago, I was unemployed and I was riding the bus everywhere looking for work. And I came here tonight with a hot butt. He looked up like, you do realize we're in church, sir, right? <laughs> when God calls you to go, go, go back home. I, I remember I was sitting on the bus stop one day. It was cold outside, and I just wished I could have a car. This guy's inside his car, and he's taking off layers because he was so hot. Got in my car today. It was a little bit chilly. I hit the auto button. There's a little icon of a seat that has these little squiggles going through it, and all of a sudden, I had a hot butt. 
God called me to, to move to a different place. But if it's just so you can change your status, not good enough. I had no idea that God was calling me to use me to be a blessing. To be a blessing. That's what our faith communities are supposed to be about. The answer, the antidote for anxiety in this community is you. Mamaw's Bible. Go to my grandmother's house. She had a fourth grade education. She would be sitting in her living room with her Bible splayed open. She'd be turning a verse over and over in her head. Or she'd be singing a hymn. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You could present any problem in the world to my grandmother, and she'd say, well, baby, God is still in control. And with some sweet potato pie and some macaroni and cheese, she would remove every layer of worry from your life and redeploy you into your life with faith. God has called you not to go to receive a blessing, but to be a blessing. So here's the question that comes for you tonight. Whose blessing are you blocking by staying in your comfort zone? Whose blessing are you blocking by staying in your comfort zone? When you act on what God has called you to do, there are people on the other end of that assignment that are set there to be blessed uniquely by you. By you. Whose blessing are you blocking by staying in your comfort zone? Can I give you a, a, a quick idea to think on about comfort zones? Here it is. When the center of God's will becomes your comfort zone, you never have to leave your comfort zone. Let me say it again. When the center of God's will becomes your comfort zone, you never have to leave your comfort zone. Finally, number three. Number three. Don't think about what you've left Think about what you're looking forward to. Don't think about what you've left. Think about what you're looking forward to. And here's the thing. When what you're looking forward to is better than what you have, you never look back. When what you're looking forward to is better than what you had, you never look back. Back to hotels. Back to hotels. I got a problem with hotels. I like a nice hotel. So, Pastor, on this occasion, this occasion, humble occasion, I had flown to this city on a private jet with a group of people. We arrived and we were deployed to different hotels. I was deployed to the Kitty Table Hotel with a group of people, and then the rest of them were taken to a really, really high-end, high-threat-count hotel, all right? So I'm sitting there, and I went to, you know, just kind of freshen up, and I grabbed piece of sandpaper, and I was, <laughs> I was washing up my face, and phone rings, and guy goes, where'd you, where'd you end up? 
and I told him the name of the hotel, which I won't name tonight. It had a six in it, but I, I, won't, name the, <laughs> I won't name the hotel. <laughs> and he said, well, how'd you end up over there? I said, well, I just ended up. He said, no, no, that won't do. I'm sending a car right away. I'm going to bring you over to our hotel. Can you pack up quickly? I said, I'm packing right now. I'm packing right now. <laughs> I got packed up super fast. And as we were driving away, I didn't look back because of what I was looking forward to. Martin Seligman, who's a researcher, said, we are not homo sapien, we are homo prospectus. We prospect based on the way we frame our past, experience our present, it's how we prospect our future. If we frame our past as bad, and we experience every day of our life as bad, our prospects are bad. But if you frame your past as all things work together for good, that God has something good for me here and now, my prospect is, is good. Look at what the verse says. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. This is what God has been doing all the time, and I just want to remind you of it. After six days of creation, or five days of creation, God decides to create a man. And what he does is he gets down in the dirt, and he forms man from the dust of the earth, and he breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and man becomes a living soul. And he stands him up in the garden that had been prepared for him. So he took darkness and dirt. He took darkness and he made a world, and he took dirt and he made a man. If all you have in your life right now is darkness and dirt, that's what God calls his creation starter kit. But he made the world before he made the man. He made the world before he made the man, and he stood him up in the perfect space. The disciples were anxious about the future just like we are. And he said these words, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Abraham was looking forward to a place that God had prepared for him. You don't need to have anxiety this Thanksgiving because the God that loves you has called you and blessings await. He's not only calling you to go, but he's calling you to be a blessing for our world. And you have something to look forward to. And all it takes is a mustard seed of faith. My wish for you tonight is this. Number one, that you would know his voice. That you would know his voice. In Milwaukee, at the end of the day, when the street lights would come on, all the mothers would come out on the front porches, and they would start to do the roll call. There were five of us. There were all these mothers calling all their kids at the same time. Franklin, Byron, Terry, Roland, Halloran. And in the din of all these people screaming for their children, I could hear my mother's voice distinctly. My grandmother would just whistle. 
just whistle and her children would come running. One that you would know his voice clearly and distinctly. That it would be clear to you. That you would hear his voice and heed the call. That you would run toward him. And that you would find what you're looking for. That you would have giant size faith. Thank you and God bless you. Pastor. Come on, was that not incredible? Wow, thanks, Brother Howard. And I love to hear him do the word. Thanks, my brother. It means so much. You know, the children of Israel looked back when they left Egypt because they didn't trust where God was taking them. And some of us have not turned our back on our old life and begun to follow Jesus because we're not sure where he's going to take us. Even the verse that Halloran quoted, he's prepared a place for us in heaven and a walk for us here. He's not asking you to be religious. He's asking you to enter into a covenant relationship with him. So if you're ready to all of our campuses to open your heart up and receive Jesus and begin a relationship with him, his gift, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know I've failed you, yet I call to you to forgive me, to save me. I put my faith in you. I'm going to go where you lead. There's no place better. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that simple prayer and you've begun a relationship, just, say, just, just raise your hand. Nobody looking around. Hey, Pastor. I prayed with you to slip it up, slip it up, slip it up, slip it up. Okay. All right, look up here. Always people are giving their heart to Jesus every weekend. It's just an incredible opportunity. If you just prayed with me, if you'll pull, uh, fill the communication card out in front of you, drop it in the offering bucket. If you're a guest, if you'll fill that out, drop it in the offering bucket and go through the center door. Uh, there will be some, there, on those tables, we've got a gift for you. There'll be somebody over there just to meet you, love to. Or if you have not been to Next Steps, you can check your kids out, check them back in. If you've got kids and go, they'll be in the chapel, 615. You can go over there uh, and begin that process. It is incredible. Hadn't it been good to be in the house of God this weekend? Man. Man, man. And so we, we and it, I just, I love it. I love it. I love faith. It's such a great journey. It's incredible. If your journey is it, man, it's, it's not an adventure, then it, it's just got to walk by faith. So now as we begin to, as we get ready to give to the Lord this weekend, as we do every single weekend, we want to be generous like God is generous. We pray to God and believe God will answer our prayer because God is a generous God. One of our values is, is we give generously. And so it's God's desire that every believer be generous. Amen? Would you all agree with that? That we be like him. Malachi says that if you will bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, God said, test me in this and see if I want to open up the windows of heaven and part a blessing such that you cannot contain it. It is the only area where God says test him. Everywhere else, he said, you're not to test the Lord your God. But you can in the area of generosity because God wants to defeat the enemy of finances and the God of gold and greed being our creed. 
And so he, he wants us to test him and walk in that generosity. Do you know what? The most generous people are the happiest people. Amen? Generous people, have, the people that sacrifice the most, a couple weeks ago in Heart for the Harvesting, Heart for the Harvest are the ones who are most excited. So as we get ready to give, some of you, this will be the first time, others of you are stepping up levels, and some of you are just, man, you're, you're joining the journey and you're loving it. I'm going to pray. Our ushers are going to come, and uh, we're going to give to the Lord. Also, again, drop the communication cards in there, and uh, whatever that is, remember next steps after this service. God, we love you. We're grateful. We're thrilled that we get to be a part of what you're doing. God, I pray you bless this offering, the gift and the giver. God, I pray that you'll move in a supernatural power, that we not only will be blessed, but we're going to be a blessing as we give. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, come on, give him a shout of praise, church.